All right, you know what? Now we got to do? Mm-hmm. Let's do exactly like that. Sure. I'll go, John will go, and then we'll, it will be building up to I'm what Kat's so going to do. Suddenly, the John's blah, blah, blah is less interesting. Certainly. Is it a tragedy plus time? <laughs> well, it's been months. Next year, it's going to be hilarious. Yeah, it's been months. Already, yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance mm-hmm. of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. My name is Will, and joining me, as always, I'm pleased to say, are both of my friends slash co-hosts, Kat and John. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Got the band back together. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> and hey, Yeehaw. by the way, don't forget to listen to John on his other podcast. What the fuck is going on with me? Podcast, podcast, hat, cap. All right. On his own podcast that he hosts, Gen X Grown Up. Do that. Thank you. Yes. You know, speaking of podcasts, I'll just say this. I don't want to make a big deal out of it, but I just want to say it's really last week when John and I recorded, but Cat wasn't here, so I wanted to be able to say it. Now, it's been five years since I, no, this is the, my fourth anniversary? That's how you say it. You're beginning. Mm. I'm beginning year. my fifth year of podcasting now. It's official. I see. Um, John and I, the episode we released was, I think, on the anniversary of our, of our the fourth year. I've done mm. it, which means that Kat's mm-hmm. been with us two years now and John's been with us once. So we all have something really? to- Yeah. Huh. Wow. So I appreciate that. Years of, of rampant success behind us and many more to come, I'm sure. Yes. I'm just happy to be part of it. Oh, Good. Me too. <laughs> so we'll, we'll when see. When I'm not at a Duran Duran concert. Yes, we'll see. When a concert sure. comes Sure, understood. Out, it's implied. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, on today's show, we're going to share the love lessons we learned from 1980s music. Okay. Uh, and this was suggested to us by our listener slash friend slash patron, Nick Guillory. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, originally, Nick had reached out saying that he, he had suggested we talk about bad lessons learned from love songs. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to open up because I wasn't sure how many of those we would necessarily have and a new cat would have next to zero because she's just optimistic <laughs> about everything. If you haven't heard uh, on our bonus episode from last uh, week, you should hear cat go through the top 10 sexiest men. Not a bad word to say. Makes me feel even more disgusting that John and I were taking apart women for unibrows and heavy right. eye makeup. Because we were, we were picking apart the beauty of beautiful people yeah. and not good enough yeah. for us. And Kat Like, was like just we're two poster nice. uh, boys here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, when, when Nick suggested this, and he was talking about bad uh, lessons, bad lessons that he heard, mm-hmm. um, he, and I'll just read you what he wrote to us. Uh, he had we had some exchange, and then later yeah. he wrote about this, saying, "I believe mm-hmm. that I learned the wrong lessons from cautionary songs. I was listening mm-hmm. to Save a Prayer, and you spin me round, and thinking that was normal behavior." I want to pause there. What does that mm. mean, Kat? You know Save a Prayer really well. One Night Stand oh, okay. is the the feature, is the main feature mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Okay, very and good. So. It, it it could be maybe, you know, at his, at his age, right. he was thinking, oh, this is what to do. Yeah, okay. You spin me around, I guess, stalking. Um, <laughs> I could trace your private number, baby. Yeah. You spin me around. Mm. Like you get so crazy that you're willing to do whatever to find somebody, I guess, maybe. Yeah. You know what? I didn't think of that one as stalking necessarily, but you're right. I, I just always took it as just like, I, I think I've mentioned on a previous episode, that yeah. song, I loved it for the music. But the video and, and the, you know, yeah. the, the singer were very intimidating <laughs> and it, like a, a lot. He was, he was a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little, ooh. so he was, he was a lot. He, he was a bit much. Yeah. 
Uh, And then uh, Nick wrote, then uh, of course I heard Mm. Boom Boom, which he's referring to Boom Mm. Boom Boom by Paul Lukakis. (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> which if you uh-huh. don't know, cause I, that was a dance song certainly I was familiar with because it was popular when I was DJing in the 1980s. But to, for folks yeah. who don't know the lyrics, here you go. Boom, boom, boom. Let's go back to my room and we could do it all mm-hmm. night. And yep. I can make you feel right. Make you feel right. Uh, yep. I have a, t- if, if he wants to talk about songs that taught him th- maybe about sex, there was a tons for me in the 1980s like that, that oh, I yeah. thought, Oh, this is right. something including many, but from two live crew talk <laughs> about bad love lessons. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Those are just sex lessons. Those aren't even love lessons is the thing, right? Those are just, those are just, right. just animalistic desire lessons. Yeah. That's a difference. We, yeah, I well, think we, we might need to make a distinction. Yeah. And I didn't act upon any of the suggestions from two live crew necessarily. No, no, right, really. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Some call it Amtrak. Not all of us call it Amtrak. Oh, come Some on, of us John, do call it Amtrak. What? That's got so much I'm, to do I'm asking. Now. Uh, I have to go. <laughs> don't, don't, not, yeah. You know, that's so, all right. That's a Da Vinci Code riddle back for you, Cat, to figure out. There you go. Um, Enjoy recording the show while you're trying to figure that out. Nick, Nick writes, he heard Track. Boom Boom around the same time he saw Revenge of the Nerds and a fire was lit inside me. Do we need to call the Ooh. police about Nick? <laughs> I'm just realizing, is he confessing to a crime here? Oh, dear. I, I, I don't think you need to call the police. He's probably already on a watch list. Okay. <laughs> No. Was he so. reaching out to us, notifying us? <laughs> Blink twice if you need help, Nick. Uh, uh, but thankfully, Erasure's music filled with broken hearts and hopeless mm. love probably wasn't intended for my preteen self way back then. So, sure. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. begin to soften him. That. Anyway, before we talk about that, because mm. we're going to share our lo- lo- love lessons, bad and good, uh, from 1980s music. And I'm really curious what John will have to share because we've heard in past episodes, John yeah. has, uh, I don't know, what would you say, Kat? I would describe it. Uh, unique take <laughs> on romance oh. or uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. doesn't get yeah. uh, a very, um, huh. he doesn't it's, wax prolific on romance. Okay. <laughs> he wants yeah. to get to the action scene of a not. movie. Oh. And maybe right. he wants to get to the bridge of a song. It, and by action scene, we don't mean that kind of movie. We mean a, a movie that has actual action in it, as opposed to the love story. Right. Yes. All right. Get a little action. I got you. All right. Hey, before right. we do any of that, then we're going to review current news stories related to 1980s media, mm. including another 80s icon joins Stranger Things. Uh, mm. The father of hip hop mm-hmm. will finally be inducted into the Rock Hall. And the uh-huh. new Flash movie pays tribute to a 1980s classic. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you my thoughts about that later. We'll warn you about some spoilers for that. There are time codes in the show notes if you'd like to skip around. Now, hey, mm-hmm. uh, before we move on, though, I wanted to do something real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Make a couple of corrections and just follow up to a couple of things that we talked about on the last episode um, when John and I uh, were here by ourselves. All right. So... I'm not perfect, so I do make mistakes. Uh, Our last week's episode was, John and I talked about our fictional male role models, and that episode was inspired by another one of our friends slash listeners slash slash, uh, patrons, Brad. Uh, He wrote saying, what type of, we were looking for suggestions. We were desperate. And we did this in our our secret uh, Facebook group that is uh, for our supporters and patrons. If you want to join that, uh, you can go to uh, 1980snow.com slash support and find out how you can become a, a patron. His suggestion was what type of male role models were prevalent in movies, media, and which ones did you or didn't identify with? So we took that as a jumping off point there. Thanks, Brad, so much. We appreciate it. And I said Conan once, and then I said Conan 
uh, 50 other times. Conan O'Brien <laughs> yeah. is the show host. Conan the Barbarian is the 80s action movie character. Uh, I said Conan a lot too, right. but I said it because I like saying it dumb like that. Just like I say jalapeno for jalapeno. And just oh. like I enjoy calling Spider-Man, Spider-Man. I think it's hilarious to mispronounce things ever so slightly. Right. Well, it's just Spider-Man, you know, it's just because it's Spider-Man. Anyway, because it annoys people and I enjoy that. So well, that's you why. You sucked <laughs> me in, John. You sucked me in hard. Into I did. Movie. I said Conan. I like, said Conan, Conan to start. You'll hear. I start Conan I first. I heard it. I heard you say it. He says I know, Conan yeah. and that's it. It's done. Conan. And I know it's wrong. I just didn't hear it until after I was listening back. All right. Anyway. Hey, and a couple of follow-ups. I did mention to John that I had heard or thought I had heard that James Cameron was coming back. I'll be Mm -hmm. back for uh, The Terminator. (laughs) So I did look into it and confirm, yes, he did, uh, per total film, Mm -hmm. he did confirm that he's writing a new installment of the Terminator franchise. Of course, he wrote and directed the first two and was loosely Mm -hmm. involved in the most recent one, although, Mm -hmm. you know, John loves them all. You know, it was the better of uh, of any of the sequels, Mm -hmm. I think, probably, or among them. Uh, Yeah, uh, Sure. Uh, At the Dell Tech World Conference in May, Cameron alluded to the potential sequel where he explained that AI's growth inspired him. Makes sense. And according to the folks that were there uh, at the event, he said he's waiting for AI to develop before taking the project further. He didn't say it was going to be a reboot or a a (laughs) sequel, but... It might be too late, James, if the AI evolves. Watch your own movies, dude. Don't wait. What is the, I don't know how to make of that? Yeah. I I had a I didn't know how to put it into words, but I had that kind of yeah, yeah. thing going in right. the back of my the, head about that the, too. Right. Just just wait long enough the AI will make the movie and you won't have to. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, You'll gosh. go to Chat GPT right. and it's like, show me the seventeenth oh, projected film in the Terminator franchise. He skips ahead. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. And it, and it like it gives you an impact, right? You just watch it. It's like a made up yeah, movie. Yeah. Uh, support the writers, by the way. I know John does too. Um, yes. Now this isn't yeah. the first time we heard him tease this because he, he also on the smart list podcast in April, I think it was, uh, said he was in discussions to uh, possibly revisit the franchise. And at that time he said, quote, I would make it much more about the AI side of it than bad robots gone crazy. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, that's enough of clearing all that stuff up. Let's get caught up on 1980s. Hey, uh, this week in 1980s news, per the Hollywood Reporter, Linda, speaking of the Terminator, Linda Hamilton has joined the final season of Stranger Things. Wow. Cool. Yeah, I think that is pretty cool, actually. I really did enjoy seeing the other folks that we recognize from the 1980s in the show. Mm-hmm. They did add mm-hmm. this sort of, I don't know what it was. Uh, authenticity that really plays on semiotics. Is that the word? Because they, mm. just because we associate them with all these things we first saw in the 1980s, they carry with yeah. them yeah. this 80s stuff that we have stored in our head that we just, yeah. it feels yeah. more legit. They they unlock, they unlock an 80s chamber in your brain mm-hmm. when you see them, right? Because, because the they're not yeah. mimicking the yep. things we loved, they were there. Yeah. They were part of it. And so you're right. It absolutely adds, even though they're playing a different character, different role, different story. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, I know who you are. Yeah. This is legit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a direct through line. It just, it is. Right. Yeah. It makes a, yep. a bridge right to it. I'm sure in part, that's what they were hoping for. And good job. Cause you succeeded. Uh, Netflix announced mm-hmm. the addition yeah. to the cast, uh, on Saturday, June 17th at their Tudum, I'm going to say fan event. Mm. Uh, Maybe it's Tudum. I don't know. Uh, we don't know what role she's going to be playing. However, uh, she appeared via a video message uh, 
during the event that was introduced by her Terminator co-star, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was actually there in Brazil ah. uh, to announce mm-hmm. the renewal of his own show that he has on Netflix there. Stranger Things, by the way, which, you know, this is one of those meta things. They've referenced mm-hmm. the Terminator in the show, though not specifically Hamilton's role, you know, Sarah Connor. All right. Um, yeah. But they've done, you know, they do a ton of 1980s uh, pop culture callbacks. And again, in another effort mm-hmm. to sort of just shortcut to those uh, mm-hmm. feelings that we have, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Soviet assassin Grigory in season three was styled to look like the Terminator. Huh, and yeah. Carrie Elway's character even refers to Grigory as Arnold Schwarzenegger at one point. <laughs> so oh, well, okay. I, I didn't remember that. So that was just from this most recent season then. Yeah. Uh, no three. So mm. one before was it three? One before. Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. All right. Is that, I guess it doesn't really matter. It's not really world breaking to have a character in a film because she's not, she's not Linda Hamilton in this. She's somebody else. Exactly. So that's right. right. She's a new character. That's yeah. right. If she were playing herself, that'd be different. Now you could do that too, if you wanted to, <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You right. could maybe they're going to meet the woman who was in Terminator. Right. They could be she played herself, but right. you have to de-age her and yada yada yada. I'm not doing that. Uh, of course, as we alluded to at the beginning of this conversation, she joins fellow 1980s breakouts Winona Ryder, Coward, Carrie Elways, mm-hmm. whom I mentioned, Matthew Modine, Sean Astin, Paul Reiser, and Robert England. It's probably not going to wow. come out till sometime next year or longer, mm-hmm. uh, in part because of the writer strike. We don't know how far along the Duffer Brothers got in writing this, the episodes, if they're more or less complete, I guess they could start shooting, but um, unless yeah. the actors also strike. Yeah, because there are solidarity strikes yeah. going along with the writer's strikes as well. That, right. uh, well, and if yeah. the, you have no script changes if you have, right. uh, if you need changes. So you really could get stuck right. in the middle of production there. So, yeah. uh, Of course, Hamilton appeared in 2019's Terminator Dark Fate, which is the most recent installment in the franchise. Which I liked. Hey, next up in 1980s news, as reported by the New York New Amsterdam News. I also don't know what that is, but I, it's one of the places I chose to reference. <laughs> <laughs> Try to spread the love around. Uh, hopefully it's not like a neo-Nazi newspaper or something. Uh, cool Herc to be introduced into Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Who's Cool Herc, you say? And I say to you, come on. <laughs> what have you been doing with your life? I know come who on. he is. You do? I know, I know you guys know. But uh, okay. Cool Herc, is, he's the founding father, grandfather of, of hip hop. <laughs> you know, he's a Jamaican born fellow who came over here and then used, you know, introduced America, essentially first the Bronx, America, and then the world mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. certain cultural aspects of Jamaican culture. I'm saying culture again. Certain things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jamaica has a strong <laughs> musical culture. We talked with luxury a little bit about this. Yeah. <laughs> Certain things. Cat <laughs> uh, listened to the last time. There go. She knows what's going on. Oh, I know. He's ego surfing with everybody. He knows. I'm just know. okay. It's promoting the episode. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. Um, but we talked about this. And so one of the things that he brought over was this, you know, the way he did his setup for his equipment, which is now familiar yeah. to us, you know, all, and certainly to DJs, the two uh-huh. turntables, the mixer. And what he did mm-hmm. uh, during these uh, parties that, uh, in fact, they had, they credit August 11th, 1973, this one particular party, which was to be a back wow. to school event hosted by his sister. Uh, in their uh, rec room, uh, in the rec room of their building on Cedric Avenue there in the Bronx. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Um, he, he did this, you know, and then obviously again, it boom, two turntables. He became famous for extending the break beats, you know, or using an instrumental okay. part of a song that he could then on one turntable play the same thing on the second turntable seamlessly going back and forth and wow. have it just last as long as he wanted. It was a form of sampling, you know, in the early 1970s. Yeah. Requiring much more artistry than recording something and pressing loop on a 
computer software, mm-hmm. of course. Right, because you got to do it in real time and you have to be able to feel it and hear it and mm-hmm. adjust it. And you're listening to one thing in your ear, another thing on the speakers, and then ultimately have it come out pure. Yeah, that's it's definitely a talent. Right. That's magic. And then he and his master of ceremonies, MC, I feel like just to give an education to everybody right now, right? Blowing people's minds left and right. <laughs> uh, Coke LaRock, who's another legend, uh, you know, one of these early founders of hip hop. They formed the Herculoids, which was, you know, it's regarded by many as the first hip hop music group. He could extend the beats. Uh, Coke LaRock mm-hmm. will be, you know, will be co- understand his rapping now, of course, uh, at these parties. Mm-hmm. And there you go. That is the spark that lit the fuse that ultimately became a, uh, hip-hop now for the past 50 years. In fact, we're celebrating this year the 50th anniversary of hip-hop because of his mm-hmm. introduction of this style of music, right. his turntablism in 1973. Turntablism. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Yeah. That's, did you just make that up, that <laughs> word? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. No need to Google that. Well, He's anyway, a long-time turntablist. Yes. <laughs> Gratefully, we continue to honor folks in the rock hall that are not necessarily rock and roll. Get over it. Everything's <laughs> exactly. derivative. You know, music. Yeah, music. <laughs> right. Uh, like, think about country and Western music, right? So mm-hmm. what is today country and Western music yeah. would have been beyond Elvis in the 60s, uh-huh. right? Because yeah. it used to be just all twangy banjos and stuff. And now it's much more rock. It, country has sure. become rock mm-hmm. while rock has yes. become a harder rock. The line is so blurry. It's just, where's your allegiance following this? Whoever the artist is, whatever they're doing, you follow them into whatever ter- territory they go into. Mm-hmm. And look, suddenly mm-hmm. I'm a rock, you know, I'm a rock fan when I was following some country right. artists. Yeah. So right. it happens. Yeah. And, and so much rock and roll has its roots in like, like black spiritual music. Well, blues and bluegrass. And oh yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Like yeah, early, religious music. Early. Certainly. Stop. Oh yeah. Cool yeah. Herc, whose real name is Clive Campbell, will be honored with the Musical Influence Award. Uh, the ceremony will be at Brooklyn's Barclays Center on mm. Friday, November 3rd during Hip Hop History Month. Oh, okay. So mm. this, wow. This, uh, hip Hop History Month. Uh, convergence of things. It's hip hop. Hi- yeah. It's the year. We got the month. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the locale of it. It's pretty close to the Bronx where hip hop was born. And Will, what did you say was the category under which he's being inducted? Something about influence? This, yeah, this or? says he's being honored with the Musical Influence Award. Sounds too small to me. Yes. Uh, I mean, to say he was an influence sounds like an understatement to right. what he actually contributed. But oh, well, I mean, what are the other start. categories? Because there's a performer category, but he didn't necessarily continue on, right? Like, it's not like he's done uh, I think something. it's the word influence that John's taking issue with. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I feel like he invented it, yeah. not he influenced it, right? Definitely okay. he wasn't influenced. Oh, I see what you mean. But he was a pioneer. Like, we mm. need a pioneer award is what we need, actually. That you know? sounds right. It's yeah. a little more. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. I get it. All right. Hey, and finally, in 1980s news, and as reported by the by Entertainment Weekly, and first confirmed by my eyes and ears, The Flash has a Back to the Future gag that actually has a basis <laughs> in reality. Now, most folks listening to our show know this already. Now, again, uh, I get John's seen The Flash. Cat yeah. hasn't seen it. This is not a spoiler. I mean, this is this is stuff you, you could know from watching trailers, I think. Then I don't so. get to press my ecto siren as a warning, though. Oh, okay. I mean, it's, you know. Minor still- spoilers for The Flash. Minor yeah, people, spoiler. People want purity. <laughs> it's not going to affect anything, anything that happens, but, but you're right. You can deduce no, at least in The Flash not. that time travel or multi, not time, yeah, time travel, multiverses, different timelines, that's involved. That's clearly, yes. I mean, yeah. that, that's chronological location has a plays a factor. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I said that this is regarding a Back to the Future reference. Mm-hmm. The whole film feels like Back to the Future, right? In a sense. Well, not the whole film. Oh. Not the whole film. The, oh. um, the Some, uh, contrivance yeah. of certain contrivances, you can't help but 
remember, you know, recall that earlier film. Don't worry about me not seeing it. I'm not, I'm not sure that that's going <laughs> to happen anytime soon. So you can say anything to me. You know, I got to tell you, John, when Kat's on the show, she can't like think that, you know, thousands of people may be listening. She has to think like it's just the three of us. Exactly. Well, it is just the three of us as far as, as far as Kat knows. As if I'm just worried about spoiling it for her. Mm-hmm. Don't tell her. It's okay. Don't tell her any different. It's okay. All right. Let's just, let's just talk about it. So, you know, so, so he does travel to a different timeline, let's say. And Mm -hmm. uh, when he does that, again, avoiding spoilers, one of the ways he knows he's not in his, the timeline, let's say that he, you know, his own timeline, his original timeline is Mm -hmm. there's been a change to back to the future. So when, when they start talking about back to the future, and I think one of them makes even a reference to what's happening to the flash as far as time traveling, et cetera being like back uh-huh. to the future. And it comes up, I don't remember what they say. It's like, maybe, maybe the reference is something like, it's just like Eric Stoltz in back to the future. <laughs> back to the future. Yeah. Now, of course, you know uh, that Eric Stoltz <laughs> was originally cast to play Marty McFly in back to the future and was yep. fired yep. several weeks into production when mm-hmm. uh, Bob Zemeckis mm-hmm. and Bob Gale realized the director and screenwriter respectively realized Stoltz was playing it too seriously. You know, and again, they shot a lot of the scenes, including my understanding yeah. is the final moments and maybe they didn't shoot in order, but when Marty comes back and his, everything has mm-hmm. changed. And mm-hmm. I think Stoltz's take is good on this, but except this is a comedy movie. So, you know, it's not yeah. appropriate this yeah. time. Mm-hmm. He, he's upset. Like, what, what, what is this life? Because uh. I, he doesn't share their memories. He's been just dropped into this world where All right. for the past, whatever, how old he is, 18 years his memories of his, you know, middle-class family that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. is just getting by. Now he's in this well-to-do yeah. family with a successful, you know, father who's brave, yeah. who's an author. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. this is existential, mm-hmm. am I making it clear? I mean, it's like, you know, kind of fuck you up in the head. Yeah. And, he, and he acted like that. And they're like, this is a comedy. <laughs> right. But that wasn't the angle of time travel they wanted to explore in right. this movie. No. And he just didn't get it. Right. He, he wasn't in tune. Yeah. So, yeah. so they couldn't see eye to eye. So he went. Um, but anyway, so well, in, this, in this flash moving, a running gag is that Eric Stoltz was was Marty McFly, you know, and there's this comes up a few times <laughs> well, throughout the film. Well, and you have to point out that I'm not going to say any more of them, but the yeah. joke doesn't stop there. Yeah. Because it continues to riff on like this cascading effect of people in other roles of other films that they may or may not have been in contention for. Mm-hmm. Oh. So when they're corrected, right, it goes, right. no, 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 Michael J. Fox. You mean, oh, the guy in such and such that he was not in, in our universe. Like, no, no, that was this yeah. other guy. Oh, no, he was the guy in this. There was this cascade right. of kind of pseudo meta roles that, mm-hmm. but for the the fact that Eric Stoltz was recast, maybe these other actors would have been in other things, mm-hmm. you know, that they could have been in contention. Like imagine Pierce Brosnan, could have been James Bond much sooner, but for the Remington Steel, right? So imagine a world where Pierce Brosnan was available, therefore what happened to Remington Steel? Maybe, you know, you know, but they continued the joke in this Mm -hmm. parallel or different or changed reality. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Similarly, when flash director Andy Muschietti was at uh, CinemaCon in April, he realized that while he knew the story of Stoltz getting fired, he didn't know Mm -hmm. that that resulted in Melora Hardin getting fired, who was originally playing Jennifer Parker. Uh-huh. Because she was, as uh, Andy Muschietti says, quote, at least three feet higher than Fox. <laughs> she was too tall. I did remember that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they had to hire a shorter actress, end quote. Of course, that the actress was friend of the show, Claudia Wells. Uh, moving on. Yep. Who, like Fox. Oh. Not getting away with it. 
I, you know, I had I didn't have the paper ready. I could have steam, tried to steamroll you, but I wasn't sure where I was going. Uh, Claudia Wells and Claudia Wells and, and Michael J. Fox were the two originally chosen and wanted to play those two parts, Marty McFly and Jennifer Parker. That's but so they both yeah, had amazing. scheduling yeah. conflicts, and you know, we talked about how yeah. Michael J. Fox. You see some of the scheduling conflicts he had in his documentary, still that just came out. Oh yeah. Um, that they eventually had to figure out because they, please, we have to get rid of this Eric Stoltz guy. He's doing Hamlet. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Not coincidentally, however, Zemeckis, again, who directed Back to the Future, was the mm-hmm. third choice. <laughs> and in 2017, the front runner to direct the Flash movie. Oh, really? Uh, but oh. Zemeckis said, asked, he asked that he be taken out of contention because he chose instead to direct Steve Carroll in that uh, movie, uh, Welcome to Marwin which is a smaller, smaller indie film where okay. a guy deals with his trauma by making, it's based on a true story, making a model of dolls yeah. about, you mm. know, that represent him and his, these yeah. other characters in his real life. You know, I didn't like that film, but I, I love documentaries. So I went and got the documentary mm. and I liked it even less. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh no. Oh, man. The guy's so unlikable. They're trying real oh. hard. Yeah. He's actually more likable in the oh. docudrama. With Steve Carell. Oh <laughs> boy! <laughs> hey, I enjoyed the Flash. In the very least, and this is not a spoiler either. You get to see Michael mm-hmm. Keaton as Batman again, and mm-hmm. for me, I mean, that was the highlight of the, the movie. The movie has other issues. Okay, maybe I will see it. <laughs> for me, that was the best part of it. And there's so many yeah. wonderful scene stealing moments with him that. Okay, that like. could inspire me to yeah. see it. You you've got to go into this you. You've got to leave your um actually at the door. Like, don't go in uh-huh. ready to go. Well, that no, no don't yeah. no. Just enjoy okay. a right. spectacle of mm-hmm. the world's prettiest full motion video game you've ever seen. Uh, oh, by the way, the video game yeah. is from the 1990s. <laughs> That's not that bad. I say, the video. <laughs> Michael Keane's not the only thing from the 1980s. The the visual graphics. So too, too are the digital effects, right? Yeah, they're bad. They're really bad. Cat. Oh no. It's, oh, it's they can be stunningly right. bad, but I don't fault the That's VFX it. guys because I, you know, I've read a number of articles about how much pressure they're put under, mm-hmm. yeah. how yep. little resources they have, you know, how little time they're given to turn these things around. That they get to a point where they're like, you know, this is we're done. And like, and the, and the studios are like, eh. That's fine. Yeah. Cause the studios don't care. They're like, by the time yeah. people see it and pay a ticket to see it, <laughs> we got their money. Right. They've already got their money. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that didn't, yeah. did it interfere with your enjoyment of the movie? Mine 100%. Did it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, I was able to forgive it and watch the film. I had mm-hmm. a good time at the film, but I compartmentalized mm-hmm. my dissatisfaction with the CGI choices. I guess while I watched it, you know what I would do, John? Seriously, I would do this. I would look at a different part of the screen that wasn't upsetting. So you don't have to look like, don't look at that face yeah, or that exactly. mouth. Like, I would look at a talking, different face. Don't look. Don't look. Oh. Yeah. Don't look yeah. at that baby. Look at something else. Oh, the babies. Don't look at that dog. <laughs> don't look at, I mean, look at- The dog. Oftentimes I was staring at my feet in the theater, but that was okay. Because <laughs> the audio, pristine. Chef's kiss, as John would say. Delicious. Yes. All right. Hey, that was 1980s news. Hey, our independent podcast is brought to you every week by folks just like you. So if you'd like to help us out, please follow us on the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share an episode on Facebook. All of these actions just take a moment and are 100% free. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck and help us keep publishing the show week after week, please visit us at 1980snow.com slash support to find out how you can send us a dollar or two. And thank you so much. It means a lot. All right. Hey, uh, as we mentioned, we're going to be talking about the love lessons that we learned from 1980s music. Now, 
I say 1980s music, and mm-hmm. quite honestly, and I message you guys this, it doesn't have to be 1980s music. Yeah. And at first I had mm-hmm. songs from the 70s, because, you know. Uh, okay. Those are, that's the era in which we grew up, 70s yep. and 80s. But I was ultimately, I ultimately tossed out a bunch of songs, and, and it just wound up that... Uh, the, the songs that I'm left with there from the 1980s. Spoken like a guy who's ready to break the rules and pick something, not the 80s. <laughs> I'm in the 80s. I am not long. Okay, I've said this to, I'm not so hard and fast about that anymore. But I'm in the 80s too. There's so many choices, but I thought, yeah. no, no, I'm going to stick to the 80s. So there was plenty, plenty. Well, you know, look, I, I, as I often do, and like last mm-hmm. week, forget to tell you though, I did some research about this idea because I, I wanted to know a couple mm-hmm. things and mm. included the fact, had there been any studies with, uh, any any smart things written about folks finding extracting meaning from lyrics, you know, or using them as uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, to create the, you know various tenets of their faith or you know morality that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Really, there's almost there's next to nothing that examines. Uh, I found one huh. paper though, and and found one one paper and this other interesting. I don't remember what it was now. Uh, anyway, I'll put the links in the, in the show notes so folks can read <laughs> if they want. But just quickly, and this is not, I don't think this is going to be any surprise to you. I think the fact that I, I started off my list had 70s and 80s is because, mm-hmm. uh, because a couple of things are, are come into play. Teenagers are huge consumers mm-hmm. of music, right? Yeah. And add that mm-hmm. in the fact that during our teen years, research shows that our brains are, are more, are more are, it's the second most impressionable stage of our lives. Uh, you know, after mm-hmm. our uh, first mm-hmm. two years of uh, you know following birth, right? Was that first four where you're getting sexy, as Cat taught us? And then after <laughs> John, that. I mean, you open a whole jar of pickles. I don't want to get into here. Sexy babies? Is that what Cat was saying before? No. She told us a story about how during your first four years you're getting sexy and learning to yeah. dance and oh yeah that was our that was on our, fri- our last week's uh, that was that was last yeah. week. That's right. I I, I don't forget. Yeah, I don't forget. I That's thought I wasn't listening. I was paying attention. I was I was taking notes. I feel misrepresented. I did not write sexy babies down. <laughs> <laughs> They're wearing baby rings. Anyway, you combine these things together. No. Teenagers are really into music. <laughs> it's an impressionable mm-hmm. age. Uh, and music, you know, uh-huh. certainly pop music and other forms of music, mm-hmm. but we're talking about music with lyrics, obviously, is accessible, you know, for the most part. So there you go. That's just, I think that's, you know, sort of the perfect uh, <laughs> okay. cocktail for us to be open and receptive to songs during our most formative years. And that's where most of my songs land. I'd like to add something mm-hmm. in here mm-hmm. <laughs> that I have to confess that it's not like I didn't pay attention to lyrics mm-hmm. at all. Okay. Of course, there yeah. were words or phrases that would pop out at me. But for the most part, it's not something I scrutinized. It was... Yeah. I was more interested in the actual music okay. and how, how I felt about it and, you know, and just how it sounded and not that it didn't matter what the lyrics were. And I, I memorized many, many, but did I didn't, <laughs> it almost didn't matter. What the yeah. lyrics yeah. If you were. got them right, even so because sometimes I, we just didn't know. Yeah. It's just, sometimes we just yeah. didn't know. Just whether yeah. or not they inspired this, a gentle mounting. Draping. Draping. I I came across a quote in one of these papers that I wrote that I thought was interesting too, along the lines of what you're saying, Kat, is that this uh, Mm -hmm. Yip Harburg, who I I wasn't familiar with that name, but he's, uh, he wrote Somewhere Over the Rainbow among his other contributions to uh, American music. He said, quote, words make you think, Mm -hmm. music makes you feel, but a song makes you feel thoughts. Okay. Yeah. 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 The music almost opens us up emotionally and then the words are able to sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, 
draft the, emo- the, the, mm-hmm. the music and come in. I like that. So mm-hmm. let's talk about some of our songs. And I found okay. something out really neat about the state of lyrics today mm-hmm. as compared to the 1980s that I'll share with you a little bit later. Oh, cool. All right, All I'm right. going to go first here. I'm going to tell you, look, this is no particular okay. order, really. This is the mm-hmm. order that I wrote them in. And I, I started off with a much longer list and I just started scrapping ones because two things. One, if I could keep it in the 80s uh-huh. and not break any rules so John wouldn't give me shit, I did that. Too late. Two, the second thing is, some songs I realized I included were just about a feeling that it gave me about love, but I couldn't extract a lesson mm. from it. There was no articulable, hmm. this is something I would apply to my life mm-hmm. or change my worldview on love. All right. You know? mm-hmm. My first one is, and you're going to learn, you're going to notice a trend at some point. Okay. Here, is tell her about it. Billy Joel. Okay. 1983. Oh, yeah. We know Kat's not going to tell us anything uh-huh. about the songs, and that's fine. But I'm going to tell you that <laughs> not only was it written and performed by Billy Joel from uh, his album Innocent Man, it, uh-huh. it was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 yeah. for a week in, in 1983, replacing Maniac by Michael mm-hmm. Cimbello. Oh. And of course, it was ultimately certified gold uh-huh. like many uh-huh. of his uh, songs. Okay, here is, uh, I'm going to give you a lyric because this, from a lot of these songs, many okay. of the sort of words spoke to me, but sometimes there's just like one little lyric uh-huh. will epitomize sort of what I extracted from it as a lesson. Okay. Uh, the lyric, listen, oh, there's a few lyrics actually. Wait, do I have this? All right. <laughs> this is a lot of lyrics for one song. Huh. <laughs> Bring it on. Uh, okay, here you go. Uh, listen, boy, I don't want to, I don't want you to, I don't, I'm going to try to see it without singing. That's the tricky part. Listen, boy, I don't want you to let, it, I don't want to see you let a good thing slip away. You know, I don't like watching anybody make the same mistakes I made. All right, so now ready, I'm open because at the time this song came out, I was like 12, 13 uh. years old. And okay. I, mm-hmm. Billy Joel mm-hmm. at that point had become one of my favorite musicians. And ultimately you're going to learn based yeah, on my music list yeah. that he really did become like an Obi-Wan Kenobi, like a force ghost for me. Like, you well, know, we were talking about fictional role models last week, John and I, when Cat mm-hmm. was, was gone. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about a, f- a non-fictional role model was Billy Joel. So many lessons I took wow. from his music. Now, mm-hmm. some of them were bad and I learned better later uh-huh. on <laughs> because he was going, you know, through, oh, he had gone uh-huh. through a divorce. And <laughs> so- some of that affected my, <laughs> you don't listen to Captain Jack and come away with yeah. good messages. And then of course, then he says the most important thing, tell her about it, tell her everything you feel, give her every reason to accept that you're for real. Tell her about it, tell mm-hmm. her all your crazy dreams, let her know you need her, let her know how much she means. Now I have a specific memory, okay. seventh or eighth grade on my bike, my BMX bike in Jersey city. Mm. My friend, my yeah. best friend at the time, Mark and I are biking around a factory on Ravine Avenue, which we, th- we treated as the death star. I think it was an abandoned factory, but it was oh. a Death Star. It had like a alley that cut like through the middle of the building. So that was the trench run. Oh, oh nice. Yep. And I remember doing this and suddenly, and I was remembering that earlier, I don't know, that day, that week, my parents had said, we're going to move away uh-huh. to the suburbs out of the oh. city. Oh, and I was really devastated because I had lived in Georgia City my whole life. And there was a girl I liked and I was, had this song mm-hmm. going on my head. Mm-hmm. And I remember having this sort of epiphany at this, you know, just before we were about to, you know, fire the photon torpedoes stay on target, stay on target, <laughs> that I had to tell this girl I liked how I felt. You know, Billy was saying, mm. that's what you need to do. If you want no. her to, you know, reciprocate, if you want her to, you know, yeah. understand, uh, what's the word? I don't know. You felt like the finality of it. It was like, oh, oh the deadline of chance, moving. Yeah, right? that, that became a thing, yeah. So this had a very, a very time critical, like this, mm-hmm. this is something yeah, that affected yeah. you at a specific point in time. Like, uh, okay. It's not just overall your attitudes toward relationships, but actually at this moment it hit you. It, yeah, it was like a yes. Mm. I want to say it was like a commandment, but it, yeah, it was clear mm. to me what I had to do <laughs> because Billy said I had to do it, which was to be open and share my feelings. You know, 
which is interesting because it was counter to what other men in my life had told me at this point, which was don't tell any woman anything mm-hmm. about yourself because they will use it against you eventually. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say something like that. It almost like that. Yeah. Play it cool. You know? Yeah. Like don't, don't give anything away. Uh, don't be vulnerable. Yeah, that would have been to be yeah, cool. Yeah. This was, I was almost told this to be safe, you know, to avoid a broken heart. Okay. So I, and yeah. I did live my life at, for, for a period of my life like that. Oh. Anyway, it turns out my parents, okay. you know, probably mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. that day or the next day, were mm-hmm. like, we're, yeah, we're not moving. We were just talking. And oh, no. completely upended this whole emotional upheaval I had for, you know, 24 uh. hours. I didn't wind up telling this girl about, about it at all because I no. totally chickened out. You didn't tell You chickened it. out. You didn't. You, no. you got oh, a no. get-out-of-jail-free card oh. and spent it right away. I found a way of expressing how I felt, but literally it was probably if you like me, check yes or no uh-huh. kind of thing because we were dating, you know, for like mm-hmm. a month. No. Which okay. just meant, you know, uh, we held hands every now and then or something like that. <laughs> All right, John, you got one? I do. I do. You, know, I, you set this up and now I'm wondering how very different each of us are going to approach kind of like what, what, mean, what we mean by things we learned, right? Yeah, Yours was very right. specific and it was very time sensitive and it, it was at a certain point in time. Yeah. And mine are really, I guess I would say that they are attitudes that I have that I have learned from mm-hmm. music, from love songs that I have adopted that mm-hmm. when I look back, I'm like, yep, I remember that resonating with me. I don't know if I learned it from the song or if right. it aligned with my beliefs, mm-hmm. but it fits and it's one that I'll stand by. So yeah, the first one that I selected yeah. is from 1988 from Paula Abdul's debut album, mm-hmm. Forever Your Girl. And it's oh. straight up. <laughs> oh, it is straight up. Okay. I, yeah. And it's, I love straight up because what's happening in the song is, and uh-huh. again, I have to be careful not to sing it, Straight up now tell me, is it going to be you and me forever or am I caught in a hit and run? Mm. And, and there you go. See, Kat singing it. We'll sing it. But but I think what I, it's, it's, it's the honesty in relationships that mm-hmm. I don't like playing the damn mm-hmm. games. I don't right. like, you know, oh, well, let's, let's, I'm going to neg you for a day and I won't call mm-hmm. you back for a week and I won't text you until, we're, stop it. Mm-hmm. Just be honest <laughs> because yeah. when you're young, yeah. that's fun to screw around and mess with people. But I learned as I got older, life is too short for that. If you actually care about someone and you actually do want to be yeah. serious about that, don't screw around. Don't let them slip. Don't, you know? Yeah. And so I always mm-hmm. appreciated that in people that I was close to. If you would just look, don't, yeah. don't mope. Don't give me the silent treatment. Like quit it. Just tell me what the problem is. Right? Yeah. I much more appreciate the direct <laughs> approach. Yeah. And, and whenever I hear that song, I'm like similar to, Sir, Sir Mix-a-Lot, which doesn't sound like he's necessarily in Baby Got Back. It's talking about what a, how sensitive he is to the female experience, but straight up is not about let's get together for a hookup. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. before we do any of this, just right. tell me, mm-hmm. where do we stand? Be yeah. honest with me. Uh, and doesn't that kind of go hand in hand with what yeah. Lil just talked about yeah. too? I'm sure it song. does. Of it, course. It so. Right. Absolutely. Right. Tell yeah, her about the, the, it. Right. Tell her about it. Will, Will was dancing up. around telling her. He yeah. felt like this song might push him over the edge and then he he got to the precipice and stopped and didn't quite make yeah. it. Well, he was going through the trenches. He didn't even <laughs> stay on target. He didn't stay on target. Negative impact. It just impacted on the surface. <laughs> like, like shooting womp rats. It's That's easy. a different part of the movie. Yes, it is. Yeah, don't, don't look it up, Kat. You'll find it. So whereas Will's was that very specific and mine kind of aligns oh, with my beliefs, I'm super curious to hear hey, what yeah, Kat's a... first selection. Mm-hmm. Ready for some bebop jazz. <laughs> I have um, categories of mm. things and I'm going to align one of my categories. It's not one song okay. with 
kind of with what you guys just talked about, um, which was one thing that I, I, I've known, but it really made me reflect on while thinking about this is um, I was really drawn to songs by men singing the praises of women. Okay, sure. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I was drawn to them because I wished for it, I think is the best way to say it. Um, so my self-esteem was not at a point where I felt confident in my desirability okay. or, you know, like we were talking about last right. time, uh, other things. And um, so, yeah, I wasn't feeling great about like possibly being attractive to somebody. Um, so I lived vicariously mm. through right. so many songs and like um, some, like so many Hall and Oates songs kiss on my list mm. you make my dreams come true those uh, of course the obvious like hungry like the wolf <laughs> in rio um or even like prince's kiss oh. uh or need you tonight mm-hmm. by nxs or true um spandau ballet uh, for true or also and there's one in particular i melt with you by modern right. english um, so basically like songs about physical uh-huh. attraction, intimacy, um, and of course, you know, sex being involved, um, in spite of what you guys might think about my knowledge in that <laughs> arena, <laughs> you know, gave me hope and perhaps some confidence and some happy feelings. Now the, I melt yep. with you, that one is specifically important. Um, when we were talking about proms and the dancing thing, do you remember I told you how I used to kind of just go around the right. periphery? You know, I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't part of the dancing mm-hmm. and I was the yearbook photographer taking pictures and, you know, so I was there, but I wasn't involved. And there was one particular semi-formal where someone that I had a crush mm-hmm. on at the time, uh, was dancing. It was a big circle. It was one of those big, not the big snake charmer. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not the snake. I had a lot of crushes. <laughs> this was one of many. And, um, so this big circle had formed and he, this song was playing, uh, I Melt With You was playing and he was just like lost in the song and having a great time. He's dancing by himself at this moment? Dancing. No, I mean, he was, he was with other people, but it wasn't, it wasn't any kind of couples dance situation. It was just a big circle Mm -hmm. of my peers, uh, dancing together and I was watching him and I just, was like, man, <laughs> like I just wanted to be doing that as well. And, and I, it wasn't something I felt like I could do at the time. And, um, but it's burned, it's burned in my brain, that memory. It's like, I wanted to melt with somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you okay. know, I just wanted to, to feel that. Yeah, well, that's a there you go. There's my first yeah, contribution. Okay, I see where you're going now. <laughs> conversation. The, um, yeah, and that's a very specific yeah. thing that ultimately when you come to that, you know, all these songs add up to this idea of ultimately melting with somebody. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it sounds like to give you confidence to ultimately maybe find someone to do that with. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think the lesson was from all of that, those types of songs, the lesson was for me to have hope and, and to just, uh, you, know, you know, just right. kind of keep, <laughs> stay right. the course. Yeah. Keep in the trenches yeah. as right. it were. I love how all your songs sort of add up to <laughs> yeah. that. And you just sort of yeah. put them all together. Um, but yeah. you remind me of one of my songs and yeah. uh, some of these, like, you know, John had pointed out some of them are specific lessons. That very first one I gave you, that's, you know, that's so on the nose and, you know, uh, sure. was what was yeah. needed. Mm-hmm. What was at that moment that sure. most of them are right. like that. Yeah. But another song for you, and again, 
They're not all Billy Joel. Well, there's a lot of Billy Joel on my list, but I don't know how many of these will wind up sharing on air, but this is my second one here. Maybe there's a one or two. Is Billy Joel's, and you remind me this, that's why I'm saying it, Uptown Girl for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, this song that came out, also came out in 1983, also on the same album as Tell Her About It. Mm-hmm. Again, it was during a very impressionable, you know, age. I was like 12 or 13 mm-hmm. years old, just, you mm-hmm. know, either just starting puberty or prepubescent, but certainly starting to feel uh, emotions for the, uh, for ladies, yeah. for the ladies, for the girls in my elementary mm-hmm. school. And so <laughs> lunch um, lady, <laughs> coach lady, lady. <laughs> bus lady, the ladies and the girls. And also, by the way, at this age, I think I was in Catholic school. So let's throw the nuns in there too. Nun lady. Oh sure. Black and white does it for me. Uh, but this song in particular, as I mentioned, was released on Innocent Man. So uh, tell her about a hit number one. This one hit number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, but it was also certified Ooh. three times platinum as compared to just simply gold for tell her about oh. it. Uh, and here is the oh, lyrics that will, uh, I'll give you the lyrics for, first. I like how we're all doing this a little differently too, by the way. See? These are the lyrics that uh, I think epitomize what I extrapolated from this. Uh, she's okay. been living in her white bread mm-hmm. world as long as anyone can, with hot blood can, and now she's looking for a downtown man. That's what I am. Mm-hmm. It's a similar, like what you're saying, Kat, was that idea that maybe it gave me hope that I could have a Romeo mm-hmm, and Juliet mm-hmm, type love mm-hmm. story with less poison, murder, and suicide <laughs> with someone that would otherwise maybe be considered out of my league, you know? So, and mm-hmm. part of that yeah. was probably driven by the fact that in a lot of these 1980s movies that we, that we would see, mm-hmm. you know, so, mm-hmm. ones where the guy mm-hmm. got the girl, I don't know that at this mm-hmm. point I felt confident enough to, to, to just completely, you know, supplant in my, even imagination, me getting those girls. In yeah. a fantasy way, maybe while watching mm. the movie, but not believing okay. that ultimately sure. I could be attractive to a woman of these calibers of these, you know, ingenues mm-hmm. in these eighties mm-hmm. films yeah. for whatever reason. But, you know, it, and later in life yeah. we would have more mm-hmm. of these films mm-hmm. where it's certainly 1980s, like um, even pretty in pink. Think about that, you know, with Blaine versus mm-hmm. Ducky. Ducky and the, uh, mm-hmm. was it uh, yeah. some kind of wonderful, the sort of flip, you know, of that where you've got people dating outside yeah. of there. So yep. it gave me hope for that, that maybe mm-hmm. I could aspire outside of my, uh, you know, circle. Mm-hmm. And it did. Fight now, above your weight yeah, class yeah. kind of yes. thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, I also told this story, I, I, no, before, and I certainly told it on Jackie and Dion's show uh, and the beat goes on. I had an experience oh, where I was very yes. much out of my circle. It didn't work out. So just for the movies. <laughs> Don't believe the propaganda. It's not true. <laughs> yeah. It created barriers. Mm. They were real. <laughs> All right, Johnny, what you got? Yeah. So my yeah. my next one is from 1980. Yeah. Barely makes it in the 80s, but it counts. Okay. Yeah. And Ooh, uh, and if I were to tell you, you could guess it. I, I was just thinking, we didn't compare mm. notes. I'm wondering if any of us have any of the same songs on our list, but I'd be curious yeah. to see. I'm wondering too. Yeah, but mine, yeah. mine is widely considered REO Speedwagon's greatest hit ever. Huh. Okay. Oh. It was the first song that broke the top 50 yep. on Billboard's uh, 100. Okay. Uh, you're right. the reason in my life. You're the inspiration. No, Is that no. Chicago? Peaked, peaked at number seven. I think yeah, it's Chicago, Chicago, by the way. Yeah. So this is uh, Keep On Loving You. Because I'm going to keep wagon. on oh. loving you. Yep. It's the only thing I want to do. Now, again, all of mine really are, again, it's, I don't know if I learned this from that song, but right. whenever I hear it, it aligns uh-huh. with my, what I believe and whatever, to the fact that since this, this permeated my youth, I quite like likely yeah. had an impact because every time I turn on the radio, it was on. Mm-hmm. But if you yeah. listen to it, like, yeah. 
like every breath you take, it's it's a catchy tune, but if you listen to it, you're like, oh my, I should not be listening to this song <laughs> right. and thinking of love things, right? It's just kind of creepy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but Keep On Loving You has tells a great story. I'm not going to try, I'm going to paraphrase, I'm not because I'll sing it if I do, but essentially it's from the man's perspective and his his girlfriend or his wife or whoever he's enamored with has a history, has, you know, there were other mm-hmm. people in his life, uh, maybe even after him, they've been back and forth, you know, kind of thing on again, off again, I envision. And it even starts with like, they're having an mm-hmm. argument, like you just curled up on the grass and didn't, you didn't want to talk. But here's mm-hmm. the thing. The thing I've learned from it is, is, is the come around where he goes, it was us baby way before them. And we're still together. So mm-hmm. it's huh. what I always pulled out of that was like the reliability and persistence of, of long-term love and relationships. Like maybe it didn't work the first time around, mm-hmm. okay. but if you have this history, you have this, you have something that grounds you and binds you together. You know, may, maybe you were together when you were, mm. you know, when you were freshmen in college or something, but it didn't work out, but it was us baby uh-huh. way before then there's still, there's still something there. Yeah. And it's both the persistence uh-huh. of love, even after you're out of it, which I think is mm-hmm. not universal, but I think it, more often than oh. not, oh even if you break something off, it's not, it's not like a light switch. It's not oh, over, wow. right? Mm-hmm. There, there's something there. Oh my God, John. And so there's that continuation <laughs> of love beyond the first time maybe you hooked up mm-hmm. or got together, but also that uh-huh. there's, there's more there. There's a history that you can build upon that you don't need to just give up because it didn't work out the first time. And I always, I, I like that uh-huh. about this song. And I think probably the first hundred times I heard it, when I was too young to appreciate it, I yeah. didn't know what it was about. But just mm-hmm. like you're doing the trench run and you got to move, Will, when I heard it at the right time, I'm like, yeah. that just clicked. Now I get it. I know that's me. I know who that is. I know who I'm talking to. And uh-huh. it just, it resonates. And it's it's all things that I believe. These characters in the song, or as they apply to you in your real life, you know, mm-hmm. there's this metaphor in the song that how it applied to your real life. Are these people, you, you mm-hmm. say they hooked up the first time. You mean that ultimately they get back together and then they stay together? That's what's happening in the song. That, okay. That's maybe on the precipice okay. of maybe not okay. continuing it. But I, I know that what's happening is, that, and there's a trend and the, my, my next one we'll talk about, but of just bearing your soul and being mm-hmm. honest. We did it with straight up that I talked mm-hmm. about, which is like, just be, just come out and say what it is that, you know, you want. And here it's like, yeah. look, I know all these things. You're not keeping any secrets from me. I know what you've been up to, but we have something mm-hmm. here. Don't, don't, let's just say we don't have something because it's currently off. Let's talk about it. And, and mm-hmm. you know, what is it that actually grounds us together? Mm. John. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I've heard that song a zillion times, mm-hmm. right? Like you, sure. you know, yeah. it's on the radio. It's her ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> For me, when I call. <laughs> it's a reminder. It's it the reminder. <laughs> and this is one of those songs I referenced earlier about mm-hmm. not, not paying attention to the lyrics. Like okay. I absolutely can tell you I never really ever thought about any particular meaning and really like in, in the lyrics, it was just about love. Keep on loving right. you. Like, yeah, that's you know, that's all do. I needed right. from the song. Well, you, you've given me, I, I was having this like epiphany mm. <laughs> or this connection to what you mm-hmm. were saying. Yeah. And Will might know what I'm about to talk about. I yeah. don't know. Um, I, I recently went to um, oh, uh, my no, college it. reunion. No, you're there. Okay. Okay. And it's not exactly what you're, you know, it's not like I'm going to get back together with these people, but I had the very unique experience of spending much time with, and also being at the same dinner table (laughs) with the only three 
men that I've ever dated in my whole life. Really? Who are all friends. <laughs> At the same place. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Same place. It, it, it Years ago, it happened one time and it freaked me out. But um, <laughs> I can, I can time, see that. But this this was it was amazing. It was, it was awesome. Amazing. Really? Because, well, I'll tell you why. I mean, these are the, the other two people I'm I'm still in touch with. And it's something that I'm so happy about because, yes, we were together and mm-hmm. it was like super meaningful. You know, like my first boyfriend, like awesome first boyfriend. Sure. And then... I broke up with him for the next guy, you know, who wooed me. And, um, and that was awesome. But then I, I broke up with him for my husband now, <laughs> you know, like it, it, it was this boom, boom, you know, I was a serial monogamist, but, um, why am I t- I'm giving you TMI? My, my point is, <laughs> my point is that I still love them. Right. And I mm-hmm. feel loved by them. Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, we were all just, comfortable and hanging around. And I've seen both of them in in other contexts or we've had communication and I love that we can still have that connection. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not like we broke up and that's it. That's my point. It's it's, it's not a light switch. It's not necessarily just over. Maybe that part of your relationship is over. Even if just all you are now is, is, is deep friends. It's not just turned off. It's not a light switch. It's not death. It's, it's yeah. a change maybe. And who knows what it could become, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there's something there. That's kind sure. of, yeah. The, we, look, I've talked to you guys about this, yes. probably not on the air necessarily, but the, I think Kat's scenario is, you know, is ideal in a sense, you know, that they've broken up and, you know, yeah. now they're much more mature and it's, you know, what, 30 mm-hmm. years later, mm-hmm. literally 30 years mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. Um, that they have the, the benefit of all these life <laughs> yeah. experiences and maturity into the people in their lives that they can just be friends now and just love each other in this platonic way. I think that's amazing. And yeah. that you still have these shared yeah. histories that it could literally be. Remember in 1992 yeah. when we went yeah. to that thing? Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. I had this mm-hmm. opposite experience where I don't have any connection with anybody I've ever dated before. And it's weird. It's like, uh, what do I yeah, do yeah. with these memories and feelings of love? I, it just sits in a folder in there. And every now and then it's like, hey, remember this thing? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yep. No one else. I mean, yep. what do, no. Anyway. All right, Kat, why don't you hit us with one of your categories? Yeah, go for it. A little bit contrary to the topic before of like songs that just made me feel good and and hopeful. There were um, several songs that had a twist to them for me. So like a bittersweet edge. Like an O. Henry twist. It it, it Uh. turns out the person you were dating is, uh, I don't know. Your cousin? I, I, I don't know what a twist to be. Now, oh, let's hope not. I, I, I so hope you pick my favorite twist, but I know you're not going to, so that's okay. Go ahead. Oh, I, think oh, I, know. Okay. I have no mm. idea. I have no I idea. Okay. Well, well, in this first one, oh, I, oh, I can't wait to hear. Uh, okay, this first one is not necessarily a twist per se, and, and, and it is very on the nose, as you say. Um, Phil Collins' cover of You Can't Hurry Love. Okay. Okay. That... Um, it, it was along the same lines of giving me hope, you know, like be patient. But at the same time, when I would listen to the song, I felt so bad for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it kind of was like hopeful. Yeah, but it was like oh, some man. aspect of like, it's really unrequited at some point, right? You. But he's yeah. waiting. You're gonna wait because yeah. you can't hurry it. He's just right. waiting, yeah. <laughs> waiting and waiting, mm-hmm. and I could identify with that. So the, it had, it had that little edge to it of like, right. oh man, you know, that's me too. <laughs> um, and the next one actually is Save a Prayer, which Nick right. uh, Guillory had mentioned uh, oh, okay. in that yeah. comment you had earlier. That song, well, of course it's by Durant. Oh, 
Yeah, I always said who did Can't Hurry Love. Oh, it's by Duran Duran, mm-hmm. um, of course. And it's, for me, so visceral. And um, I wasn't really even thinking about the details. Like in Simon's lyrics, you already know how I am with lyrics. Mm-hmm. And, and Simon's lyrics from that time are just frequently so obtuse. Right, yeah. <laughs> I never poet, yeah. really knew what, yeah, exactly. And I, half the time I didn't know what he was talking about. But, um, but this song was my first awareness of what, one night stand meant. Okay. And, and I was pretty sure it was something I didn't want, especially for multiple reasons. No, wait, 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 Kat. I have to, uh-huh. I have to ask you, yeah. uh, this is, okay. this is not a dig or making you Google something. When you mm-hmm. learned what a one okay. night stand was great. Mm-hmm. And you said it was something mm-hmm. you didn't want. Uh-huh. Is it something you didn't want because it was painted as a negative thing? Or is it something you didn't oh. want because you understood it and you didn't emotionally want that for yourself? I'm, I'm really happy you asked that question, John, mm-hmm. because I was also like pondering this because at oh. I'm like, what? Like, why? Why is this standing out for me? Mm-hmm. I was raised Roman Catholic. Okay. <laughs> I went to Catholic mm-hmm. school and the whole shebang. Yeah. And shebang is one of the saints, John. Just so you know. Oh, is it? Saint I didn't shebang. know that saint. <laughs> it's the, what is the patron saint of? I do know. One night stands. <laughs> one night stands. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, a hole in the one night stand? Oh, please, shebang. And give me a one night that, stand. That a, <laughs> that's a Ricky Martin song. Oh, please, oh, please, shebang. shebang. Mighty shebang. Oh, all I want. Oh, my God. Where is this She bangs. She bangs. She bangs. Oh, my God. Sorry. Back to you, Kat. Okay. So, it's okay. In the studio. It's a show already in progress. I think I'm derailed. Now you know how Will feels. <laughs> This is the John and Will show. We bonded when you weren't here. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Will's, you know, Kat's talking now. karma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is my karma. So, um, so I was, I was programmed to believe that something like that was not a good choice. Right. right? Definitely. It was programmed. So you understood what it was clearly, but your, yes, the mores that you had been taught did not Mm -hmm. align with those. Okay. Yeah. Not to derail this even, even further. But I know on the show, like Uh we talked about, John and I give you stuff to Google. Mm -hmm. How did you find out what Mm -hmm. a one night stand was in 1980, what's Saver Prayer, 84, 85? (laughs) The schoolyard, man. (laughs) Just asking around. And that's, that's pretty much, yeah, I don't even know if I asked any, I don't know if I had to ask this one. I just know it was somehow part of my consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that's how I learned about anything actually. (laughs) Like seriously. Um, what was by Picked it up on the street. (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) So, yeah. So I knew it was like my Jiminy cricket, you know, my, Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh no, this is bad. You know, this isn't something you do, but at the same time, like there was this contrast because this song is amazing. I, I loved it. It's swoon. Draping. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> the draping. This was another soft mounting. This was another drape. Oh man. That's another and, thing. Listen um, to the bonus episode from last week. <laughs> so, so that's why it's bittersweet. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like it had this thing going on. And, um, but I did, I did know it was about connection and I did want that connection because it painted this passionate <laughs> thing about um, connection. And, and also this song raised my awareness about, the probable loss that comes along with loving someone mm. or being loved and not in a super concrete way, but just more of in a feeling way. I think because of the tone of the song, mm. there's one more I'm going to mention here. Okay. Careless whisper. 
Of course. Mm-hmm. My other, my Naturally. Raping song. My first raping song. Of course, by, <laughs> wait, was this by Wham or George Michael? I think I'm it's embarrassed. Wham, actually. Like, I think it's Wham. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Wham. Which is the sound you made when you climbed on the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> when it fell over. Wham! Wham! <laughs> <laughs> While I was swooning, oh. <laughs> um, the the saxophone, right, and George Michael's voice, and um, I I feel very sure that the video heavily influenced me here in this bittersweet kind of thing. Um, but I really felt for the woman <laughs> in uh, that was you know being sung about or was in the video that she got cheated on, and so it was like heart wrenching for me mm-hmm. and. And it had a very specific lesson for me, like cheating is bad. <laughs> Don't do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, so, so this is the closest that I come to. Um, I'm not going to say there's a bad lesson here. That's not what I mean. Like I wasn't learning a bad lesson, but it was, oh, you know, it was kind of, I really felt for, <laughs> I felt for her that got cheated mm-hmm. on. <laughs> now, do you, do you think you were? Were you projecting or mapping that onto yourself and how you might feel? Or was it just purely empathy for mm. someone else? Were you able to map yourself into that at that age or? Oh, I think, I think, think so. so. Yeah. I'm certainly, I, I, I was identifying with her, with the, yeah, sure. the woman that got okay. cheated on. Right. Yeah. Um, well, honesty is a big thing for me. Deception, like mm. I just, I can't unless it's for like a April Fool's joke or you know, or a birthday party, birthday party. Or, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Just gets at the birthday party. Surprise! You lied to me. <laughs> you said this was we were here to celebrate my parents' fiftieth anniversary. <laughs> I am out of here. Right. So yeah, deception in in you know any form other than you know well meaning <laughs> yeah. is like yeah yeah. Uh, you know, it was a big, a big, does it, does that answer your question? Yes, there? of course. Yeah. Will, how about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. look, okay. I've got one more. I've got lots more, okay. but I'm going to pick Uh-oh. one and I'm going to pick a non-Billy Joel one. And <laughs> some of these kind of, you know, overlap to what you guys are saying. So I'm looking for something. If, a little if bit only different. the listeners could see how many pages you're going through to find the non-Billy Joel ones. <laughs> he's flipping pages. <laughs> no, no, this is, no. Tr- he's, he's not lying. Shuffle, shuffle. He is not shuffle, lying. Shuffle. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this okay. is the one I'm going to talk about. All right. So here we go. 1986. Take your heads back to 1986. Let's travel Again. back in time. Mm-hmm. Like uh, was that book schools. we talked about? I was a junior in high school. What Ooh. have you done for me lately? Nice. By Janet Jackson. Oh. Great. Now this, ah. like the teller about it, I have a very specific memory of. And just as an aside, of course, this is from Janet's third studio album. My favorite, mm-hmm. I think. Control. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Um, she co-wrote, she co-wrote this with the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, the legendary songwriting mm-hmm. duo. And it reached number four on the Billboard Hot 100 and was certified mm-hmm. gold. And for all those reasons, I was playing it at a block party mm-hmm. as a DJ shortly after it came mm-hmm. out. I had the you know, like 12-inch version of it. And mm-hmm. I remember I was on someone's porch is where I set up my speakers mm-hmm. and sure. my turntables and much like Cool Herc. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. That's just what I was thing. thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. This is only 13 years after Cool Herc was doing this in the, you know, in the Bronx. And now here I'm in Jersey City having a black party. Uh, Where's your induction into the Hall of Fame? Come yeah. on. I know, motherfuckers. <laughs> well, if he's, and if he's the influencer or a pioneer, what am I? I am the, uh, huh. Poser. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying, is there like was a- that too harsh, cat? Did I go too <laughs> far? Sorry. I thought there was going to be something before that. I'm sorry I had that in the chamber. It's just, Did you, I was, please don't take it personally. I won the Listens to Hip Hop Award. 
<laughs> a poser, that's really, yeah. That cuts to the point. Oh, oh. So, you know I don't mean that. It was just funny in my brain, so I said. Uh, oh, man. It doesn't make it less funny that you don't mean it. No, no, it's, it's, it's more funny, maybe. So, there was a girl that I liked about this time, and mm-hmm. we ultimately wound up dating, I think, a little bit later. Maybe, I don't know how much mm-hmm. later year or mm-hmm. month, whether mm-hmm. it's a few months or a year later. I don't remember, but I liked her and she was, you told this, her about it, that? right? Mm. <laughs> Cause you told her about it. Huh. No, tell yeah, her I mean, that, about it. Or did she tell a whole you story about for it? Off the, off the air. <laughs> mm. Oh, it's, oh, okay. okay. Right. It's why I connect to, again, listen to our bonus episode, why I connect to Sky McDonald's uh, chapter three. Oh, direct connection. I had a similar experience. Oh my. Wow. Um, anyway. All right. But yeah, that's for off the air. But uh-huh. I liked this girl and she was there. And at the time I really was, again, like Billy Joel. And I, I was just this kid who was constantly, and again, maybe it's because of the reasons we said about just our vulnerability to uh, how we mm-hmm. are receptacles for information. We're sponges, again, at this age, as we were when we were still yeah. sexy babies. <laughs> Several years later, <laughs> when we're wanting to be sexy teens or whatever, th- th- this is all sound terrible. <laughs> you know, we're again, we're, we're just really open to this information. And I looked for metaphors in everything. So not just music, Movies, mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some, some mm-hmm. uh, observing strangers. Like I looked for signs, you know, and, and part of what mm-hmm. I read, some of that mm-hmm. smart stuff I said I read was, is that was talking, th- this article was trying <laughs> to connect sort of why we even seek, uh, why we try to get m- meaning out of message or, or lyrics to begin with. And he started with first mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. humans want to find meaning in things. And the reason why they do, or at least one of the th- uh, results of it is, is having satisfaction with life. If you can mm-hmm. find a reason you have this mm-hmm. job or it's meaningful to the, whatever, the company or the world, oh. I have satisfaction. Yeah. If I have meaning in this particular relationship, I mm-hmm. understand my role and how I'm valued for satisfaction. And I think, it, I, see. It, uh-huh. I feel like he wasn't as clear in this article, but the leap he makes or the connection he tries mm-hmm. to make is, therefore, this is, looking at lyrics is just another way to extract meaning and, you know, for mm. whatever, my existence, et cetera, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we talked about mm-hmm. m- music mm-hmm. in particular, pop music, because it's a combination of music and lyrics is particularly good at, you know, sort of uh, providing us with the means of, uh, you know, I guess, extracting mm-hmm. that information and open to it. Anyway, yeah. that all said, I'm looking for best, you know, mm-hmm. lessons everywhere. So literally as I'm playing yeah. this song, what have you done for me lately? And the girl that I love is, or not love, the, I didn't love her yet. Girl, I was hot for or attracted to. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I probably felt like it was love, actually, probably at my young age. Yeah. Uh, the song, the lyrics mm-hmm. that I'm talking about here is used to be a time when you pampered me. You used to brag about it all the time. Your friends seem to think you're so peachy keen, but my friends say neglect is on your mind. And mm-hmm. again, uh. this is like John was saying about my teller about it. It is something I specifically logged mm-hmm. at that time to be mindful of. And the thing mm-hmm. that I thought was, I didn't want to be the guy that this, you know, Janet Jackson was singing about. Oh, <gasps> gotcha! You were the subject of the song, not the not the singer wow. of the song. Yes, because it's a woman singing oh. about a man, and it's pretty tropey. To th- you know, this is a trope. You know, this yeah, idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Man's the bread earner, so he comes home, puts his feet on the couch. He expects the woman to cook dinner and clean the dishes, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. I didn't want to be that trope, and part of that was yeah, yeah. the girl yeah. that I liked had friends, and they were close, and I know they talked about things that boys weren't privy mm-hmm. to. And I didn't want like this line about my friends say neglect is on your mind. I didn't want to be in any of their mouths. Yeah. Keep me out your mouths because if, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm going to be talked about or I'm talked about in a way that's, I wish my boyfriend were like that. or I wish, you know, because he's yeah. so all these things, 
Right. He still takes you out dancing. Uh-huh. He still mm-hmm. takes you out to dinner, whatever. So uh, this song for me, again, like tell her about it earlier, planted a specific seed, became one of those tenets of my, what I hoped to, uh-huh. you know, uh, epitomize ultimately as I developed relationships. That's awesome. So if someone was going to talk about you, you wanted them saying, I wish he was my boyfriend, not what's wrong with your mm-hmm. garbage boyfriend, right? You wanted them to be, if room. anything, envious. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, cat fight. I could see that. Yeah. And one of them would be like, oh, yes. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. That's a whole different scenario I'm imagining now. That's the one we're going to get to hear <laughs> off, off air. Off, off air, right? I don't know. Yeah, probably a different song, too. Yeah. That might have to be a cat free episode. Cat. I, I don't know. That might even be. I don't know. Oh no, you said. I don't know. That might be testing it. That might be testing the limits. We're trying. <laughs> okay, I, so I I I'm gonna cheat. Okay. Uh, it, not the way you expect Ooh. me to, but he's gonna and, make up a song. It's a song that I wrote. No, I inspired myself. Right, and the Aww. lyrics go, "I'm on a podcast." No, it's mm, not how it goes. Timely. So there are two songs that Cat would never recognize them as the same song because you have to listen to all the lyrics to get to huh. the same song. Okay. But I assert oh, that they're the same song, and probably I learned and heard. The huh. same idea. And there, there's definitely a, there's a stream of consciousness amongst all the songs that I've selected and talked about here, mm. but there are two songs. Mm-hmm. So the first one is from 1988. This was a number one on the billboard uh-huh. hot 100, uh, Bon Jovi Ooh. with I'll be there for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So start thinking what's uh-huh. the other song that's uh-huh. identical to this song. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying Yeah. Right. Okay. But here's what's going on at I'll be there for you. And again, I'm not going to read the lyrics to you, but mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Things aren't going great. It, 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 and it's, oh, it's, oh yeah, I think we're, maybe we're going to break up. It's not going awesome. But listen, we talked about the persistence of, of love that goes beyond, you know, the mm-hmm. immediate relationship. But it's this thing that like, look, I know this is about to be over. I see that things aren't going great. But just so you know, like I'm here for the next thing that happens or if you change your mind or whatever, sure. there's this sense yeah. of, of I'm not going to be petty about it. And I'm, I still care about you no matter what has happened. Maybe it means we get back together. Maybe it doesn't, but I'll be there for you. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I always, so again, I believe that mantra. I feel it comes into honesty. It comes into the kind of, you know, the, the long lastingness of love isn't that light switch, but the other one that also Uh is the same song thematically for me is from 1982. This was number Uh two. In 1982, on the Billboard Hot 100, by Journey, Open Mm. Arms. Oh, same thing. Same thing is going on, right? It's it's this olive branch. Look, I am who I am. I understand things aren't going great. If you come around and change, I'll be here, right? I'll be here with open arms. Mm -hmm. And both of those, like. Somebody could say, oh, so you like those songs, John, because you like to be the doormat. I get it. Right? He's just like, oh, you walk all over me and I'll still be here kind of thing, which is kind of what you could read into those, which is, yeah, be as, do whatever to me you want. I'm, I'm going to still stand by you kind of thing. But okay. I just saw it as, uh-huh. again, it's that it's the perseverance of, right. of emotion that goes beyond the fidelity of a relationship that we have a background. Mm-hmm. There's the, there's the Popeye-ness of it all. Like I am who I am. <laughs> right. It's, it's, he's just saying, look, I get it. I understand I'm not perfect, but I'll be here with open arms. It's kind of what he's saying throughout, throughout that thing. And so both of those for different, from different angles are about, it ain't going yeah. great, but even if it doesn't, 
I'll still be here. I'll be there for you with open arms. Yeah, put those songs together. Yeah, and I'll throw, I'll keep on loving you too. I mean, it's all different sort of mm-hmm. shades of this idea sure. that. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's similar. Definitely, there's definitely a theme. There's thematic uh, elements running through uh, probably all the songs that I chose. Yeah. Well, yeah. here is a segue that, which leads in. It's, uh, there's one other one I won't talk about okay, right now. Okay, perfect, unless, perfect. Are you, are you I, done, I, I, Yeah, yeah, please do, yeah. Okay. Always take the segue. My... <laughs> I especially like when you say segue before you do it. And now the segue. That's like, well, here's the introduction of the show. <laughs> Welcome back to 1980s Now. <sighs> Welcome back, Kat. John. That, that topic. Don't just address it directly. I'm still here. <laughs> See what you're doing. You're not keeping on loving me. I'm not, I, I, Good. Whatever. Well, I'm listening, Kat. Will, is, what have you done for us what, lately? What am I doing here? It's so perfect. What have you got? Done? Open arms. I, you, I just want you both to know I have podcast satisfaction. Okay. Okay. I just want to put that. All out right. There. I, I don't know what that is, but I'm glad you have it. I'm playing off of what Will was talking oh, about. With, oh. Like when you have satisfaction. Oh, and, oh everything. Yes. <laughs> the podcast when, satisfaction. When you you can understand the meaning for something and the justification behind it, that kind of satisfaction. Okay. <laughs> Oh, gotcha. Okay, right. You derived yeah. the re- in meaning general, from this, your role I, yeah. on the show. And gotcha. That, yes. <laughs> but in general, Will would prefer if you start by, and now here's a reference to something you said, Will. He would like you to introduce it. <laughs> John. Yes. Yes, okay. yes. See, I'm back on, because that was a shitty My... thing to say, John. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> no. My most important song. Okay. My, my shining star of songs mm that I learned a lesson mm-hmm. from or, or used, okay. you know, got, anyway, yep. used for a lesson is um, if you love somebody, mm. set them free Ooh, by Sting. Yes. Yep. Ooh. Um, <laughs> it's the reason why I'm married today <laughs> to who I am. Because he came um, back? Without, Are you going to explain? Without going oh, okay. into too yeah. much. Yeah, I'm going to explain. Yeah. Um, without going into too much detail, but we... Um, uh, my current husband and I, we current, my, my only first husband, husband. <laughs> we got together. Wait, which of which of your current husbands, Kat? I have to be clear. My first husband and I. <laughs> we, we got together in our senior year of, of college. And then when graduation came in his mind, he's like, oh, all right. I have, mm-hmm. You know, I have other things going mm-hmm. on. There was someone else maybe in the wings. And I was like, <gasps> you know, like I really, you know, didn't uh, want things to end. Mm -hmm. And, um, but he wanted to be able to sort of, you know, move on with things. So his Mm -hmm. oats. Yeah. So his oats, oats, uh, as it were. And he had, yeah, he had someone else that he, yeah, there there was, it was on and off. And, Mm -hmm. um, and it was super hard for me at first. Um, but then I realized, and, and this, this song, like this song gave it to me, gave me the mm. ability to be like, you know what? I can't, I can't hang on to this. I can't cling. I can't, it's just not healthy. Right. And so it was like a mantra for me. And, and I told yeah. him that too. I, I let him know. I said, all right, go figure it out. <laughs> and whatever it, it, so, so playing upon what you were saying, John, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, go figure it out. And I am here. Open arms. I'll be there for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, very, yeah, arms, yeah. See, but it was a perfect segue. <laughs> see? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, 
And that was the magic though. I mean, it, w- it was healthy for me to mm-hmm. be able to, to do that and work through that. Hey, sure. I, I might not stay with yep. this person um, that I chose, you know, I chose him. And then he, but then he chose me because of this, because oh. I told him this, because I was not clinging to him. And, and he put thought in, you know, mm-hmm. into other mm-hmm. things as well. And it was that, it was the letting him mm-hmm. go that made him come back. Mm. So, right. yeah, super. So, <laughs> super like, if important. you had tried to hold on, mm-hmm. it likely would have driven him farther away. Absolutely. Mm. It was, is what's the quote that princess, uh, you know, Leia says, if, oh, you know, the, yeah. the, <laughs> the tighter, the tighter you grip, you know, the slipped, more, you know, more, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slipped, slipped through your fingers. Yeah. And I learned that about him too, mm-hmm. that that would not yeah. have worked for him. That was, that was, Definitely not. Well, you know, and as the him. lyrics suggest, yeah. if you love somebody, so in the very least, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. act is a selfless yeah. act yeah. that you're saying it's a heartache, mm-hmm. but. Yes. Right. Yeah. I, I will endure yeah. this so as to not project mm-hmm. guilt upon you. Yeah. So you can right. do it. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to feel the pain. I will accept it rather than you feeling bad about me. Yeah. 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 It, it is selfless. It is. Yeah. There's some self-sacrifice there without yeah. a doubt. And, and also it, it released me too, you know, it, mm. it, it um, yeah, did it right. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, well, I have to, if I cling to him, I'm, I'm going to be in misery. You know, I, I just need to. So do you to, think you, you, you consciously made a decision to mm-hmm. put it behind you? Do you remember, was it like a, I did. it did you? Yep. Wow. That's strong. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There was a period of a couple of weeks where we weren't together. It wasn't that long. Mm-hmm. You know, it was only a couple of weeks, but I. Um, you know, I, of course I was sort of hoping, mm-hmm. but I had decided, yep. all right, this, this, yep. this, this might not yep. happen. I'm going to stop counting on it. If it does great. If it doesn't, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. Thanks guys for sharing these, uh, insights into yeah. the lessons that you love, uh, learned rather from love songs. Blah, 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 love, blah, blah, there blah, blah. There you been go. Waiting for it, now we're going to share, we asked folks uh, on social media to share what their, the lessons they learned. I'm going to give those to you in just a moment, but I wanted to close out mm-hmm. my wonky thoughts by this other thing that I learned, which was interesting <laughs> because you know, this comes down to what we got out of lyrics. But what's curious mm-hmm. is that over time, lyrics to, for hit songs have become increasingly mm-hmm. simpler. Uh, and there was this paper that I'll link in the show notes that graphs, huh. uh, the, he calls it the compressib- compressibility, which he means simplicity of song lyrics mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. And the, I think it doesn't go back much huh. further than the 1970s, if at all, the chart. And then it goes through today. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's a slow sort of uh, changing of or s- songs grow sim- more simple over the de- decades. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're more simple mm-hmm. now. They're the most simple they've ever been now <laughs> than they've been in the tracking of this data. Now, by simple, do you mean, yes. I'll read the article, but just out of curious, you know. do you mean... In vocabulary or in like subtext and depth, which I'm assuming is what you mean, hmm. or both. Yeah, hmm. the, 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 look, it's I, I'm, I describe this as wonky. This paper is a serious, like scientific journal okay. entry. It is hard <laughs> to understand. Wow. Okay, but he does have their methods, and he does have the methodology and all that in there. I'll be honest, with you, I kind of skimmed mm-hmm. that part because it was like kind of mm-hmm. oh sure. But yeah. it, it seems to me, at least in part, uh-huh. I can say it's one of those things that you talked about. As far as the voc- it's vocabulary, uh-huh. um, it, it, okay. I, but I believe is that yeah. maybe I'm just either I'm making this up because I did this myself and I'll tell you about this in just a second here, or it's one of the things out of the paper was, you know, we have these AIs, we can run things through now. They'll tell you the reading level of a particular thing. Yep. So that was definitely part mm-hmm. of it. I think it was more mm-hmm. than that. And I'll tell you why I think that because 
uh, he, he, this paper offered a few explanations as to why songs might be getting simpler as far as lyrics go. Again, they were more sophisticated in the 1980s. Uh, one thing is the psychological mm-hmm. phenomena, phenomena mm-hmm. which is apparently uh, very wide, widely known, pretty popular, is the exposure effect. The idea that the more you're hmm. exposed to something, provided it doesn't create a, a negative, it's not negative to you, mm-hmm. the more you'll learn mm-hmm. to prefer it. So it doesn't have to be positive. Hmm. Okay. It just has, okay. can't be negative. Yeah. Just familiar. All right. Familiar, uh-huh. not negative. Anyway, okay. so, and another thing is, is that more repetitive lyrics are easier to remember. And this is what makes me think vocabulary, John. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. fact that songs are just simple mm-hmm. in the sense that they're repetitive, it may be as simple, it may be as, I'm using mm-hmm. the word simple a different way, it may be as simple as that. And then finally, yeah, that humans, as they say in this paper, are cognitive misers. <laughs> the idea being that we're very efficient. Uh-huh. And so we, what we do is, without realizing it is, if given the choice between two things, and maybe you have done this more, uh, you know, uh, overtly, is that the idea? Or consciously. You probably could think of an example mm-hmm. where you did. If you're presented okay. with two things, mm-hmm. one of them mm-hmm. is really complicated. Mm. Shit, I got to get involved uh-huh. in this. Or I could do this other thing that's really simple. <laughs> Your brain uh-huh. quickly analyzes the resources necessary, mm. picks the simpler one. <laughs> I'm liking it too. If you've got a, you know, a, uh-huh. a uh-huh. list of errands you need to run and the one that requires mm-hmm. me, the one I could do from the couch, I'll pick that one over <laughs> the other one. Oh no, I mean, that's the kind of idea, right? <laughs> Can I do it lying down uh, with the remote next to me? Are you reprogramming, reprogramming the remote again? <laughs> you got to stay on top of it. Um, so, so the idea applied to music is that if you have a whole catalog of songs, because the other theory is, well, the, I guess the final theory is, is that there's so many songs now compared to yesteryear in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And when you combine mm-hmm. it with what the, the last point that I made and this gentleman makes is that the more songs you have to choose from, mm-hmm. your brain's going to pick the simpler ones to dwell Just, on. So subconsciously as well as mm-hmm. what we do, which is being lazy. <laughs> yeah. But this leaves me thinking... I don't like everything the way it is now compared to the way it used to be. Like, what happens to future generations as far as deriving meaning from their lyrics? You know, if it's the songs are getting simpler and just more repetitive. Oh, yeah. Where's the subtlety shape of you? I'm looking right at you. There you go. Now, I did for fun run uh, Miley Cyrus. Uh, song. I, I said uh-huh. to the computer, uh, what's the most pop, one of the popular love songs these days? And one of them was Miley Cyrus's Flowers. So I ran that one and Bonnie Tyler's mm-hmm. Total Eclipse of the Heart through one of these AI uh, reading level generators. Can't mm-hmm. wait. And uh, Bonnie Tyler, mm-hmm. Total Eclipse of the Heart has a fourth grade reading level, which is not too terrible oh, actually. Because okay. uh-huh. okay. a lot of the times mm-hmm. articles and papers are like third grade, fourth grade, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miley Cyrus's mm-hmm. Flowers mm-hmm. got a uh, first grade reading level. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> Isn't she sweet? All right, shit. Uh, we've been talking for like three hours, but I, I wanted to share some of the things that folks said on Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter about their love lessons. Yeah. And I can't share them all, Kat. I'm sorry. They're just I know. There's so mm-hmm. many responses. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Talk about engagement. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Stacy says, yes, owner of a lonely you. heart is much better than the owner of a broken heart. Mm-hmm. That was a good lesson. Uh-huh. I agree there. Keith writes... Mm-hmm. Uh, love stinks. That was a popular refrain that we got from <laughs> a couple people some other said folks. Yeah. Uh, Sky McDonald, uh-huh. we've been talking about her book in our interview with her last week. Uh, she wrote to us on Twitter saying, I would hmm. do anything for love, but I won't do that. Gotta set them boundaries, yo. <laughs> yo. And then added, seriously, yeah. I could go on and on here. Awesome topic. Yeah. Uh, Suzanne writes, my husband votes for Come Dance and for its lessons about the fleeting nature of young love and well everything. Yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> oh, Megan says mm-hmm, that love mm-hmm. will tear us apart. And apparently I give it a bad name. Oh yeah, because she does. You <laughs> do. Bad name. You give it, Megan. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we had a few, po- few folks, including Rebecca, say that love is a battlefield. Oh, mm. yeah. Oh, see, yeah. Amy also said that you give love oh. a bad name. Francisco <laughs> yeah. says, don't stop believing. Oh. Yeah. Mark Beer says, get armored up. It's supposed to be a battlefield. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Mark James on Twitter writes, never trust a woman who wears yeah. her pants too tight. <laughs> <laughs> a grateful Dead reference. That's, that's profiling. All right. Hey, that was the show. And our show is brought to you every week, thanks in part to our early adopters. I got to say, I can't say adopters now without thinking of the cabbage patch. It's like we were adopted. We were homely. We need somebody to ad- Ugly adopt ass us. dogs. <laughs> Our early adopters like Karen Flieger, Kathy Burke, mm-hmm. and Rick Parker. Yay. Thank you. Yay. Awesome. No, no dental yeah, death, no fire. It's coming. Uh. <laughs> And thank you especially to our Secret of Our Success Level mm-hmm. Patreon supporters like Nick Guillory, Go, Nick. who prompted oh, yeah. this right. very thank long you, Nick. recording. Nick, yeah. <laughs> Seek yeah. help. And also, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we helped him. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yes. And oh, we love Dick. John Hurt. Henderson. Go, John. We do. We do. <laughs> Craig Coletta. Yep. Brad Bowman. Go, Brad. Marcus Taylor. Mm-hmm. And Tony Great. Great. <laughs> and I have a special announcement here. Mm-hmm. Oh. I am pleased to announce Let's we have a it. new patron joining us. Please da, welcome da, to the da, show, da. Brandon Greer. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Yeah, welcome to the party. Brandon. Brandon has become one of our secret of our success level Patreon Yay. supporters. Uh, he writes to us, I just wanted to drop in and thank the three of you for such outstanding content. After several months of binge uh-huh. listening to the podcast, I've just signed up to be a Patreon member and can't wait to dive into the bonus content. You're in for a real treat uh, this week, Brandon. <laughs> oh, no. a great conversation with Kat. There's plenty. We recorded for seven hours. There's yeah. so much extra stuff. Yeah, this show, yeah, this show is probably 45 gonna... minutes and this is all bonus content. <laughs> He's going to cut out everything I said and put it in. Brandon, uh, Brandon <laughs> continues. I really do enjoy the John and Cat show. <laughs> I, me too. Me too, Brandon. <laughs> and it's pretty cool when Will gets a word in edgewise as well. <laughs> oh. Dude, this is my favorite guy already. <laughs> Then he writes, I kid, I kid. But seriously, the three of you make a great team, great chemistry, and it's obviously the three of you enjoy what you're doing. As a child of the 80s, I'm happy to come across this podcast months ago, and I'm excited for every new episode to come. Please keep up the amazing work, and best wishes for each of you. Thank you, Oh, Brandon. my gosh. I, I got to tell you, cool. this is true, you, because every time I think of quitting this thing, like, why are we doing uh-huh. this to shut it down? We get a message from <laughs> someone like Brandon, or we get another supporter, and I think, all right, we'll do it yep. another week. One more. Well, I got to put Brandon in the rotation That's here. Right, you do. Right? That's right. I got to add him I'll in. Get you that info. Yeah. And you know, and hey, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we just closed out our fourth anniversary of podcasting here, beginning our fifth year. So I wanted to also thank the other folks mm. who have, look, thank everybody that's listened to the show and certainly anybody that supported us in any small yeah. way over the years. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to also remind folks, mm-hmm. we have some other patrons as well who I want to thank that uh, you don't hear their names every week, but they are continue to support the show, including Craig Anderson, Craig Rustin, Jillian Perry, Nate Wallace, Keith mm-hmm. Sheehan. And one anonymous donor who refuses to let us know. I'm going to say it. Oh. Who is it? No, I need to know. Barack Obama. <gasps> no. Who could be? I don't believe it. Can I say someone less controversial I, yeah. than Barack Obama? Who else could it be? I want to see the birth certificate. 
That balanced it out, John. That balanced it out. Thank you. And they're back. They're back. (laughs) Resubscribe. All right. Hey, that was plenty of show for one week and probably two or three. Uh, Check out our bonus episode last week with uh, Sky McDonald because there was a lot of references and callbacks. There are. Yeah. Apparently. All right. Hey, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. I'll be there for you. This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness.